Kia ora and welcome to the Murray Bros Podcast. I am your host, Rick Queen King, with your co-host, Epsilon. Uh, I'm glad you're back. Uh, Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer mm. that we watched this Sunday. Amazing view. You know, a huge crowd, even for um, afternoon showing as well, I suspect, right? Yes, and, and yeah. especially for a drama that's three plus hours long. It, it was crazy how many people were there but probably for Barbie most likely yes yes uh, so next week due to the fact that Barbie was booked out we'll, we'll try to watch it and view it then yeah we'll try and find screening times probably um, let's go New Land probably um, yes. and then just watch it if we have time and then come back and review it um but this week was definitely one of the biggest and busiest weeks of the year in the world of cinema as Barbie and Oppenheimer released simultaneously, uh, which is quite funny because uh, Christopher Nolan also had a simultaneous uh, Barbie Oppenheimer-esque release back in 2008 uh, with um, The Dark Knight and Mamma Mia. <laughs> that was what a time. Um, yes. But now it's come back. For some reason, I feel like this is a big middle finger from WB to Christopher Nolan because Christopher Nolan used to be with WB, but he changed to Universal for this film. So, I don't know. Uh, conspiracy theories. But uh, we'll be discussing Oppenheimer in full detail, including the latest episodes of Warrior and Secret Invasion, along with major updates that we'll be discussing with everyone. Well, Epsilon, here we go with our review of Open yeah. Hey. Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three. Truman needs to know what's next. Two. What's next? One. Wow. <laughs> That's such a big, impactful movie, in my opinion. Oh, it's... It's crazy how this film is made today, and it's very um, real, because anything mm. like this could happen at any time. But um, what are your thoughts on on the film? And actually, Christopher Nolan, he still has it. He still has this movie going. Yeah, he still has it. This this film showed that he had it. All the like amazing movies he's created in the past. This comes to show that this comes to blow with those films as well. Yeah, I do think this is Christopher Nolan. How, Ter- I think Tarantino's best film is Django Unchained because he learned everything he's done with his previous films. I think this is his best film as he's learned different tones and different ways of pro- uh, of pacing and editing. I think Christopher Nolan has done it. I wouldn't say this is his magnum opus because he's still quite young and, yeah. and he could direct his magnum opus to next movie. But... For now, I would say this is close. Is the closest thing to his magnum opus. Yeah, it had everything that I guess related to the social aspects of society to to the, these times, especially with the whole political and governmental uh, wars that are preparing. You know, government elections. You know, countries tearing itself apart. And this movie just goes and blatantly shows the colors on the wall. Yeah, um, I, I think um, one of the um, mates we went with um, said it was a little disappointing because of some historical accuracies, but he said minus that it's kind of a perfect film. Um, but I think from everything that I researched after the movie, this is quite possibly the best one-to-one biopic of an event at this scale and I think Christopher Nolan has done it when it comes to trying to retell someone's story that has already been made at this scale it's incredible yes and addition I feel as though the way the story was told Mm. also had a very realism to it where even geniuses that we look back into the past yes yes had a certain humane aspect to them where errors in their mindset can go off was expressing the humanity that each of these scientists had while creating this kind of weaponry. Yeah, they were still human. Um, I think there were some other retellings 
of people like Oppenheimer who were quite robotic uh, but they do feel these things and we'll get to talk about these intense sequences and uh, with Killing Murphy's beautiful performance mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Epsilon what were your takes on the atomic bomb sequence? <clears throat> Spoiler alert people folks uh, for people who have not watched it ahead uh, I would say it was a very explosive <laughs> Uh, and dramatic kind of scenery where even without words the explosion itself the sight the power the sound every part of it just impacted the soul of the folks who watched the movie yeah I would say not even like not a single person in the film uh, in the theater was not affected by such impacted uh, loud noise that was occurring after the blast had occurred, while also being mesmerized by the explosive beauty that was expressed. Yeah, um, I think there was someone behind myself who said, where's the sound? And I went, the bigger the bomb, the more delay the sound would be. Yes. When the sound happened, they went, oh shit. <laughs> it was The whole room was shaking. This may be the loudest IMAX experience we've had ever. And it was worth it. Um, but I do think this isn't even the best part. This, to me personally, even though it happened in real time uh, in in the real world, it's a gimmick for this film. But um, yeah, the atomic bomb sequence is beautiful. It's mesmerizing, really horrific is, at the same time. Uh, the immense power that it holds, and nowadays world leaders have that type of power, and it's quite scary. But whew. Um, Epsilon, how was the IMAX experience? Because I feel like this was made for it. This film, I believe, was created for such such a theater room. Yeah. This film's impact you would feel most here, with the sound technology as well as the the cinematography, the the angles of the shots. Everything just worked together to present such an impactful film. Yeah, um, the aspect ratio change, uh, it went oh, full yes. screen, like it took up the entire cinema screen, and we have a proper IMAX theater, it was the first IMAX theater in, uh, in New Zealand, now we have two, one in, in Wellington, but this, whoa, it took me by surprise because I haven't seen it since Dunkirk, they did it a couple yes. of times there, but it looked beautiful, it was mesmerizing, and it's a once in a lifetime experience and I think there was a reason why it can't be seen anywhere else but an IMAX theater to have that kind of an impact yeah there was a reason why event cinemas New Zealand and Australia I I had to double check were only showing IMAX screenings for bookings until they showed regular screenings because I've seen some screenshots from regular screenings it doesn't look as impactful because there was Mm. some even though it is what IMAX does is explosive no pun intended it's a completely different kind of view it's it's incredible it's enormous Mm. it's loud but it's the Mm. true vision that christopher nolan wanted but i would say this film had a lot of uh very talented people working on it yeah especially the actors with the villain uh with the uh, character uh that was portrayed by robert downey jr yeah um Strauss, that's his last yes, name. Strauss. Uh, yes. Bad with names, but uh, yeah, Robert Downey Jr. deserves to be nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Louis Strauss, if I remember Louis correctly. Strauss. Yes. Well, as well as uh, Cillian Murphy was an amazing actor for jo- uh, John Robert uh, Oppenheimer. Yeah, Cillian Murphy's been an incredible actor who's been on the scene for years, especially yes, as Thomas Shelby and Peaky Blinders, yes. but. It's all been leading up to this. It's incredible. Yeah, I've I've also seen Matt Damon as Ellis Groves. That was also very impactful. We have an incredible cast. We have Emily Blunt. We had Florence Pugh. Mm. We had Josh Peck. We had a Mm. lot of other people. And yeah, uh, we also had Jack Quaid, Huey. Um, Yep. Everyone had a pivotal role and it was incredible. Everybody played a role that seemed to impact story so strongly yeah only Christopher Nolan can do this Mm. Uh, to this scale especially but my gosh um, 
talking about that atomic bomb sequence, the sound design in this movie is amazing. What are your thoughts on that, Epsilon? I felt as though the sight of the explosion, the vibrations of the molecules in the air that was expressed in the, the first sequence of the se- uh, film, all of these, without a single word, meant more than anything that could be expressed by anybody in the film. Mm. It goes to show geniuses have their own nightmares. It goes to show how one man f- feels the weight of all the death that has been caused upon by a weapon that he created. Yeah, um, it's talking about the first sequence, the sound design between, yeah, the, the molecules and also the flares of what's going to happen and it was great mm. foreshadowing but also when the professor and played by Kenneth Branagh talked about how it's kind of like music you don't see mm. a music sheet you hear it you hear and it. then you hear the sound mixing with um with Ludwig Goranson's beautiful score which we're about to get to um on top of these sound particles and different um creating foley from from scratch it's it's mm. amazing um how he's utilized sound as its own character really because yes. um these things keep popping up as remember it's about the bomb it's what's inside his head so it's kind of playing um trying to get the audience to play catch up trying to remember what this movie's about um this the scene where we had fission as well as number act one being vision two being vision expressing the different uh, sequences of explosions that's occurring within the film was very impactful as well as for example the the soundtrack of can you hear the music yes it was a very very strong uh soundtrack as sequences of the scene kept going yeah um i Christopher Nolan has come out before the movie came out and said black and white is subjective and color is objective so there's two different point of views obviously you have Strauss versus Oppenheimer and I think he wants us to see the, uh, this film a couple of times to understand those two perspectives and see which one's right or wrong and that's the brilliance of, of um, both cinematography color mm. and storytelling from Christopher Nolan and he's a master at it um, but cinematography out of this world um, Epsilon this yes. this movie has some incredible shots <laughs> wow it has some very impressive uh, camera work I would say especially um, the scene where uh, again spoiler alert where he, Oppenheimer is talking to Albert Einstein. Mm. The the way that uh, it's portrayed in the first scene expresses a disagreement between Albert and Oppenheimer. Yeah. But later down the line, we see such a different uh, opinion, especially with the working of the camera. Uh, also expressing Strauss as a quite a quaint fellow who worked with. Uh, Robert uh, Oppenheimer to be a voice for the science community ending up to be a villain yeah um, I, I like that point of view of again what Christopher Nolan was doing with the black and white mm-hmm. scenarios where in Strauss's point of view it was a, a disagreement while in in Oppenheimer well, actually talking to Albert Einstein it's it's a sense of and reality and realism and it's quite poetic and beautiful and harrowing with how the movie ends um but yeah i i think the cinematography was maybe nolan's best um and i think it could easily win but easily be nominated for best cinematography at the oscars if the oscars do go mm-hmm. ahead this year but yeah amazing shots color color was great in this film mm. um the co- the color grading was impeccable and i think 
that's what's great about Nolan's films is that he knows where to have saturated and oversaturated colors and I think the explosion itself shot on film looked incredible no no color the best questions. part yes. about the final nuclear explosion tactical nuke uh, explosion mm. film was the fact that it was a real nuke yeah yeah it was it was an actual nuclear device that he acquired and set off to film at the end where there's just no different to the realism of that kind of weaponry it just shows how much damage devastation it has the fact that it has such a strong backblast and you know to be able to see on screen all of this visualing uh, and harrowing sights. Yeah, um, I love how in the film after the explosion, mm. Oppenheimer keeps having these flashbacks of the explosion and seeing this is. I think it's one of the scenes where I kind of felt we uh, kind of wanted to throw up because I felt so mm. heavy. It was when Oppenheimer goes to I think it was a communist rally and uh spoilers and everyone's cheering uh rp rp and then he's speaking but it's drowned out and great use of um uh, blurring backgrounds even uh, changing your um what you see it's just Oppenheimer, and then once it starts getting brighter and then silence when he's trying to speak then boom and when he's walking out and he's uh crushed uh, an ash of, mm. of someone uh, you know that there are demons there and the way Christopher Nolan captures that is such a beautiful and horrific way to see people cheering them people crying in fear and people mm. throwing up outside it was all over the place and the first uh, I would also like to say mm. the fact that his pressure has also pushed him to see how much like just skin peeling off the characters that were playing uh, within the rally to show his envisioning of what the devastation of the bombs will have yeah it's just insane it was great visual storytelling and mm. it was horrific um our mm. cinema was silent for most of the time there were a couple of people in front of us on their phones you know taking photos it's 2023 of, yep. of course you gotta take a photo of what you're watching jesus um mm. but other than that the cinema was silent for the entire time a couple of jokes and we were all laughing but man once those sequences happen silence mm. and it's just the fact i sorry i want to reiterate by the way yeah, yeah. uh the f scene of the nuclear explosion came off with just breathing just the breathing of a man who sees the ends of the world yeah how much destruction and devastation the the sight of all that is chaos all of that just accumulates to such an impressive scene and the the come back to the noise the, the the sound that comes after as the explosion has reached its peak calls himself destroyer of worlds death yeah and then this the explosion sound occurs yeah. blowing back people just showing the amount of impact that it has yeah it is just uh, such a strong sight yes yeah um speaking of that quote i think it was used twice or three times yes um because that was the most prominent time that it was used it was black uh, and then he says a quote and then boom but the first time i think um this is where everyone got a little bit excited you horny the first horny time pieces no 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 the first time it was expressed yeah it was in the first scene uh actually if you read the texts that occurred it showed you uh if i remember correctly i feel as though as well this is only an imax experience because i don't think it occurred in normal films 
Yeah. Where they didn't show off the explosion, initial explosion, the first scene. They just went straight to the uh, interview with Oppenheimer, opening his eyes. Yeah. I believe. Um, or or there, there was a there was such a scene, but it wasn't as impactful. Yeah, we didn't get our regular IMAX countdown. It just had IMAX yes. and then straight into it in a different aspect ratio. But um, what I was talking about was, I think, the first time I probably saw it. I think mm. I was just in awe of the aspect ratio. Uh, mm. Was uh, you horny, horny people excited for this Florence Pugh <laughs> sex sequence? Uh, hello? Hello? We had a couple of mates who came out of the cinema just thinking about that. Hello, you horny, horny people. Okay. Yes. It, it's. It... <laughs> this is, I believe. Yes. Christopher Nolan's um, first. He's had not nudity, but a sex scene in The Dark Knight Rises between Talia mm. and Bruce, which was very awkward, and I do not want to rewatch it. Mm. But this one, yeah. I I love Florence Pugh. I love Kelly Murphy. I just don't think they had the dynamic. Mm. I think that's the first negative I have, but that doesn't tarnish my rating. I, I think their relationship, yeah. I would say, though, they don't end up together, so it expressed such hatred for them as characters. <laughs> Why did you Come buy together. me flowers? Because I wanted to. Don't buy me it flowers. Showed, it showed a man who was out out of the um, world of sen- uh, general sense, but a genius in the scientific community. Yeah. I feel that that made him human more than anything due to his like naivety of such uh, emotional aspect. Yeah, and uh, again, I always say this, um, Florence Pugh's facial expressions are uh, top tier class. She's one of the best actresses working today. But um, yeah, I feel like these scenes could have be either longer or written stronger because for me personally they um to maybe the general audience they may not progress the story for them it's just mm. a sex scene for general audiences but for us we understand what's happening where um Oppenheimer's mind is at he, he he's looking for love but again he's a scientist he doesn't understand it as you said but yeah, no, the acting between the two is incredible. Um, just wish there was a tiny bit of chemistry, but you know, maybe they're on the cutting room floor or something. But again, uh, I'm happy with what we got. But again, you horny children. I'm gonna call you children. <laughs> you may be 24, but you're children. But yes. Um, speaking of uh, tension. Uh, and the atmosphere in the cinema. Do you think this movie is Christopher Nolan's most tense movie compared to like Interstellar, Inception, and everything? I would say this is one of his strongest. Mm. Uh, I would say this one is his most impactful due to the significance of historical work that he has just created. As you've known uh, recently, um, there's been a string of weird uh, social trends where, for example, Cleopatra was also recently um, tarnished in name, apparently, oh, by yes. the Egyptian government. Yes. And I feel as though this is what we would really want compared to anything of that nature. Yeah. Like, it just showed the, 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 the disturbing sights of what humans were presented as. Yeah, um, for for such a because Nolan's incredible at this um, tension um, has been for all his films. I think the least yes. tension I got from was The Dark Knight Rises uh, because I knew Bruce may survive, but um, this movie on the edge of our seats, all of us we were like, "What's going to happen when the bomb went off? Where like where's the sound?" Um, we were like, how is this movie going to end? And where is it going to end? And it ends off in such a way that strikes a spark in my head. Like, that could be today. <laughs> they could send off nukes right now. <laughs> Who knew Russia could do it right now? Um, but, man, it's it's very real. That's why the tension and the atmosphere was so high. 
It's like, this could happen at any second when we're watching this movie in real time. But, man. Yeah. Do you have any negatives towards this movie? I would like to say a certain negative I had with this film mm. was a certain lack of, um, I guess, insight. I wish we had a little bit more on John o- uh, Robert Oppenheimer as a character rather than, you know, anything else where we just view him as this steel-walled character who was too far ahead of his time and brought what we know today as quantum physics and all science together. Yeah, I, 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 mm, I do see that, but I think what Nolan wanted to do was kind of make his character not really a hero or a villain, somewhat of an anti-hero, so trying to make Killian Murphy act a certain way um, to the point where yeah he doesn't really have like you don't really get full character with him but at least you kind of understand because they go through different time periods of his life all the way to to the end Um, but yeah I I do I do see your point with um, they should have done more with Oppenheimer as a character, but again, this is based on non-fiction reality, and I think they did a great job. Do you have any other? I don't. I don't want to say negatives. Uh, maybe nitpicks. There are different insights where I would like to see the relationships between uh, Oppenheimer and his wife more, as well as like relationships between the scientific minds, because I felt as though that was quite lacking within the film as it progressed through and through. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of last night. I was yes. trying to think of a lot of the negatives because yeah, you know. I would like to see more aspects of how the characters pushed onwards. You know, after the bomb dropped, however, it skipped towards the uh, section of the interrogation towards uh, Oppenheimer, as well as the Astros's uh, old debacle. Yeah. I was thinking of it last night with the um, scientists. I wish we had more with them. Like, at least a couple of... Because we got... What an incredible cast. We even have Roderick from from the Diary of Wimpy Kid movies. Mm. And he he has, like, a couple lines, but he's incredible. And we got Remy Malek, who I thought was just going to be a mute character. Turned out to be the most important character in the movie. When it comes to um, Strauss's demise. Mm. Um, but I do wish we got more time with these characters. But I'm glad they were there. They had a couple of lines. They had impact. But yeah, I- I'm with you. I wish we had more insight with the scientists. And also with Emily Blunt's Kitty, um, the wife. She had a strong, strong performance. But yeah, I wish we had more time with, with her. But seeing what type of parents they, they became or they would have become. Her being drunk, him being a scientist, obviously, out all day. Yeah, I kind of like that dynamic, but I really wish we got more of them together. Hmm. Like, being happy. Yes. Thank you. Um, I, is that all the nitpicks you have? Yeah, I feel as though I don't want to push it too far due to the fact the film itself. Hmm. Which is a fantastic piece. Oh, it's incredible. And it's the closest I think so far Christopher Nolan has created to his masterpiece. Yeah. Um, the, what would you rate it, by the way, if you don't mind me? Um, I'm saying with my rating that I gave yesterday, it is a 10. Hmm. I, yes. I don't think what we said were negatives were kind of um, redundant. Yeah, they were yes, redundant. Was... They were nitpicks. Because yeah. any movie has these type of nitpicks. It's like, I really wish we mm. got to see more of this relationship with this character. Every movie has that. But this mm. this movie was about Oppenheimer. It's his movie. And he done incredible. 10 out of 10. Yes. Due to that, I would also give it a 10. <clears throat> this is our movie bro's first ever 10 out of 10. Woo! It is. Uh, I can't believe it. Five episodes in and we finally got a 10. Hey, maybe Barbie's a 10. No, there's a possibility. <laughs> yes, we we will find out next week about that. I would like to say, 
definitely a must watch in IMAX. Definitely, definitely. I would say IMAX it. Um, it's going to be in there for, for a couple more weeks, um, mm. probably until the Meg on August 2nd, maybe. Oh, we're going into August. Wow. Um, but yes, uh, Oppenheim is going to be in IMAX, Queen Street, and Queensgate. Please go Queen Street. I'm so sorry. I feel like Queensgate <laughs> may may not be as big as Queen Street. Yes. But my gosh, yeah. We recommend to watch it in IMAX. But Epson, what were your thoughts on the massive lines for this movie? And we were somewhat early. <laughs> um, I, I felt as though it was deserving yeah. of such a film of this caliber. It was shocking to think that such drama could have this much of a line, but people knew. People knew what they wanted to see and definitely a must watch always yeah um some of the biggest blockbusters from the flash to to transformers to indiana jones and maybe spider-man they were never yes. this sold out trying to buy tickets for this movie and barbie were a nightmare um but it was so worth it for this movie um but yeah cinema's back and it is incredible now that was the end of our discussion on Oppenheimer. Out in cinemas everywhere, exclusively in theaters, and experience it in IMAX. Definitely experience it in IMAX. Now, we're on to discussing the latest episode of Warrior. Yes, whiskey and sticky and all the rest can wait Epsilon what were your thoughts on episode 5 I was very shocked well I would like to say I was very shocked but it was kind of implied that this is what was going to happen in the previous episode but um yeah um the fact that we found uh young June and father June at the deportation center was very, very much um I guess it's shocking to me because I know that Young June and and Father June doesn't have a good relationship. Mm. Speaking through previous seasons where Young June took over uh, Father June's whole operation and coming to the fight that they worked together with. Yeah. Yes. It was quite shocking to me. Yeah. When Father June popped up, I was like, whoa hello where have you been you're supposed to be in like new york or something yeah because yeah i, I remember um it said this deportation uh, center marks a bold new era in our, in our city yeah one which we will no longer tolerate the damage being done to our society by the lawless encroachment of the chinese damn murder you. prostitution and slave labor gone unchecked for too long and this, this, that, that certain line mm. had such an impact to me. Yeah. Buckley, Buckley, Buckley. The Confederate mm. Army racist Buckley. Yeah. Um, creating that deportation site, I thought that's where they were going after the Chinatown riots from the previous season. Yes. Uh, yes. Because of how much, um, um, how much damage the Chinese mm. are, are I was shocked them. that um, Chief Atwood had like upset the fragile harmony by the way yeah that was created yeah I, I feel like um, Chief Atwood is maybe the reason why Buckley uh, um, mm. appointed him as, as Chief was because Atwood was part of the, the army the confederate army I don't know maybe that's a theory because he he seems big racist and I see the yeah. reason why Big Bill quits the force. Mm -hmm. And I'm very happy for Bill. I think <laughs> Bill it, finally became... Yeah. Yeah. I think him quitting the force was necessary for his character to move on. Mm. And him being with his wife again. I thought his wife was going to pause and say, I'm with another man. But the fact that she got up and made out with him, I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> I was also would like to say though mm -hmm. um, the fact that Atoy acted like she'd given up hope around like episode 3 of the new season yeah yeah. but she was actually planning her secret revenge just presents 
her as like such a strong villain. Yeah, that I I don't think we touched on Artoya's story at all since episode yeah, three. Yeah. Because at the end of episode three that was too heavy to talk about. I was mm-hmm. like Jesus. But yeah, Artoy she's going back to being the the sword slayer and that's gonna go back to Zing and they're gonna go well Zing's still in prison it's not him (laughs) so yeah I feel like Artoy may have a downfall this season but she's one of the strongest characters in this show yes she has presented that yeah and where she killed the girls yeah yes it was just such a like downright brutal scene <clears throat> yeah and I feel like we're gonna get more of our toy maybe this coming episode or the next episode mm. especially mm. with her relationship with Nelly who yeah I, I think they're, they're perfect for each other because kind of yin and yang and yeah, she, she, yeah she balances out our toy perfectly but my Ling, you talked about it when we talked about season uh, season three, episode one to three, how her downfall mm. could be coming, and it came last episode. She's yeah. out. <laughs> She's fine now. Leon got her out over a Confederate bribery to Buckley. Mm. She gets it too easy. What are your thoughts on that? I was very much unhappy about that, actually. Yeah. Yes, it was not something I would. I would have wanted to see but unfortunately it's what we got yeah and the fact that there's a wedding coming <laughs> between Mai Ling and Leong I don't know that's gonna be maybe a bloodbath or something I, I am expecting a full on bloodbath yeah something's not gonna mm-hmm. go down we're probably gonna lose a couple of maybe mm-hmm. maybe Hong or, or even Leong or someone but yeah that that Wedding is not going to go down normally. Uh, but Assam and Myling, he goes to Myling as he can't bribe the guards yet. There's not mm. enough time to print enough money. No, no. The printing also, I would like to say, is yes. now something that's becoming more prominent now. As you expect, the, uh, the whole uh, business is actually now profitable while also hiding from the feds. Yeah. And now with Lee as a secret service agent, and mm. with the iodine, they can easily um, look out for forged um, counterfeit money. But Mm-mm. yes, yes. Yeah. Um, how were your feelings on Assam going to Mei Ling to help get Father Jun and Young Jun out? Well, Young Jun. I would like to say Assam and. Young Jun's relationship, I would love to see like more uh, brought together. Yeah, um, like they were brothers, and I I feel kind of it feels kind of weird to not have that dynamic back. Yeah, it's it's a, especially at the end of episode ten. Mm. Um, but yeah, having that final uh, spoilers, um, having that final confrontation between Assam and Young Jun, where Assam's like. I could have left you there to rot. You could have been on the boat. I could have took over the hopway. But no, you're here. Hello? And kind yes. of saying, like, at the end of season one, where Asam got kicked out of the hopway, Young Jun didn't do anything. So Asam mm-hmm. had to work from the bottom up again just mm-hmm. to get back. So Asam knows where Young Jun was. Like, where he stands. Yeah. But again, I think Assam is the bigger man in this situation and he needs Young Jun to be the leader of the hopway. Maybe for its downfall or, or something, but yeah, My Ling's taking control of the hopway in some mm. aspect. The fact that My Ling got caught and accused of serious crimes also was a very impactful scene. Yes. Yeah. But that was, you know, season three episode four in Chinatown no one thinks about forever yeah um My Ling uh I yeah I think she's gonna last multiple seasons yes 
um it will get a little annoying because we're like she could fall here but she has a backup already planned um but yes talking about the end of episode four where she gets arrested um mm. i do like the montage at the very beginning of this episode where it cuts from young jun leader of the hopway to mailing leader of the long z in mm. kind of that cross-cutting but in yes. two different places deportation yeah. and prison yeah and i i thought that was a little um a little unfair but again buckley myling have a relationship um yep what what are your thoughts on the awkward relationship romance of buckley <laughs> well i'm very torn mm. between like fully hating buckley yes I guess it just doesn't he doesn't seem like a character I would like very much like but also he is such a great villain yeah he the way he lies and fakes and thinks that he's doing everything right for the greatness of you know the city it just shows a corrupt man believes he's the most important yeah, um, I'm surprised we didn't see much of Larry this episode. Mm. I don't think we saw Larry this episode, not that I remember. But I think no, he's... No, I don't think we did. Yeah, uh, I think we're gonna get a, a something big happening because mm. those people are now going to do the real world. Um, mm. Thanks to... Um, uh, I forgot his name. The one that torched down Nelly's um, place. Now they're gonna start building the real world there. And yeah, I feel like Larry's being pushed back as a villain and more he's just there. But I feel like he's again like Myling, he's gonna last multiple seasons and then it's gonna end off between Assam and Larry again. But mm. who knows? Season three, how how have you found it so far? We're halfway through. Yeah, season six is gonna be the halfway point, isn't it? Um I would like to say so far, we're at the point of shifting drama, you know, shifting power. The whole like the whole city is at stake. Everybody's out for everybody. Just betrayals, you know, and alliances. I feel like something's gonna crack, and the second half of this season, we're gonna see some permanent, visible, like uh, sights. Be it good or bad, we will see. Yeah, there's a lot that could happen from episode mm. 6 to 10. Um, anything can change, anyone can die. Um, we could have... I'm very excited to see what episode 9 is, because episode 9 of season 1 and 2 have been the best episodes of those seasons. Mm. Um, but I can't wait to see where the relationship, as you said, between Young Jun and, and Asam, whether they'll become brothers again, or whether they'll just stay as enemies. Um, well, not enemies, but disgruntled, basically. And yeah, my Ling's wedding. I think that could be episode nine, and yeah, it may be a bloodbath, but we'll see. Um, mm. But I feel like this episode is so far my favorite episode um, of the season, and we yes, we are halfway through, and. Mm. I think that is it for Warriors Season 3 Episode 5. Episode 6 streams on Neon New Zealand tomorrow at 12pm New Zealand Standard Time. And every episode out on a Monday, not a Thursday. That's American time. Anyway, now on to the next topic. Marvel Studios Secret Invasion. Now, Epsilon, episode 5, how did you find it? Okay, so... Episode 5 of um, Secret Invasion, yeah? Yes. Mm. Well, for me, mm-hmm. yeah, because I watched it a couple days ago, actually. Um, it's This episode finally like expressed its like views. 
Yes. <clears throat> I'm bringing, uh, like, the Rebel Scum, uh, Rebel Scroll plan into full force. Yes. Feels up. As, like, the previous chapter, I believe, um, was, like, presented a, a lot of, uh, neat, neatening to the plot threads, which expressed, uh, Nick Fury for his, like, final, like, actions. Yeah, I think um, I'll just start off by saying this is my favorite episode. It, it had everything that the previous episodes um, mm. had. Um, but also, on top of that, um, Nick Fury, I think this is the most uh, sharp he has been in the whole season so far. He knows what's happening. He's... his inter um, Spoiler alert. His scene with Rhodey, uh, well, I, I call him Scrody, that sounds like Scrotum, <laughs> but yeah, um, in the hospital, um, mm. is so cool, just, again, just seeing Donald Cheadle, uh, Don Cheadle and Samuel Jackson have these interactions, I think that's what's the greatest thing about the show, is that you got these big powerhouses that know how to mm. lead a scene, um, together, and I think the hospital sequence um, was a great, um, great chance. I think share. Samuel Jackson just has that, like, outstanding power, you know, showcasing, you know, the Fury's anger and determination with, like, just that little dicey bit of vulnerability, you know? Yeah. I, I mean... Especially with the tension, you know, escalating as uh, Gravik relentless, like, just pushes Fury to his limits. Yeah. Killing off Maria, but... Mm. We'll get to that. Um, and also, Gravik nearly killed Gaia until Extremis mm. came into play. And then Talos. I was. Okay, actually, I was about to say. Yes. Maria Hill's death was very shocking to me. Yeah, it took me by surprise because they were kind of leading up to saying, yep, Cobby's Models is here. This is the Maria Hill mm. you've been waiting for. Bang. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think. It, mm terminology would be fridging these characters for Nick Fury to continue his journey but I felt like that one as shocking as it was it was unnecessary for this um for this show because she could have been very mm. pivotal um maybe that's the reason yeah. why they killed her off but um talking about next episode Nick Fury versus Gravik um we know Nick Fury doesn't die but what do you think of Gravik's fate? Will he die or will he just... Um... I, I'm always to the point where if they create a very good villain, mm -hmm. either they will have to kill him off or give him the ability to run away and come back. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> honestly, I think they would have to kill him off. Um, I don't know mm. how, because he's a super scroll. He's got all four powers. Yes. If, if he's just on the run, he will kill everyone. He can uh, disguise himself as anyone. Mm. Um, but yeah, I feel like Nick Fury... Uh, I think they did a meta joke um, in the final minutes of the episode. Where he's mm. like, uh, we don't need these big guys come down. The Avengers. Um, not yet this is my fight it's quite personal because he knows Gravik in there and also he knows that if the Avengers meet scrolls the scrolls can scan their DNA and then take their powers probably he's he's just yes. worried about that so I think that's the reason why we don't have these big heroes in the show and it's quite grounded but yeah I think Gravik may bite the dust Kingsley Benadir is an incredible actor but I think this will be his one role unless they resurrect him somehow or something mm. but um what did you think about the mutiny in new scrollers i was surprised it was pretty surprising yeah it was pretty surprising to me personally mm. like i know that the scrolls and whatnot are rebelling and whatnot yeah yes but i expected like you know two sides to have somewhat of an equal you know balance yeah, um, that's just a that's just a Marvel sequence, you know. That's how it always happened. Like I would say, like 
the difference was Wakanda forever, yeah? Yes. But that was because Nemo was just the king, you know, of his people and for his people to fight against, you know, the Wakandans. Yeah. Was well, just completely differing, I guess. Yeah, um... Uh, yeah. Um, well, this episode, I would say, yes, is what we needed to work on to build tension for the final episode next week. Yeah, uh, I think. Yeah, because yeah. um, the story like kind of suffers from the lack of like kind of genuine intrigue. You know, like mm -hmm. the villains are very undeveloped. Yes. You know, there's no like, especially for such a dramatic like wrong you know case of the pinup like was was this chapter just trying to showcase like just such the struggles of nick and whatever's happening within the secret war or secret invasion yeah i i think the one thing that suffers from this uh from these couple of episodes i think from episode three onwards is its runtime it's i think mm -hmm. it's way too short I feel like these mm. episodes should be 45, uh, 47 minutes minimum because mm. there's so much you can build into it. And I do feel like it suffers from its short um, episode count being six episodes instead of, I think, eight episodes is a sweet spot. Maybe I 10. feel as though if we had a couple more episodes, I think the story could be more dev like devolved understand the characters like especially like galvex and his like motives you know yeah <coughs> i i think the way that um kevin feige has stated and i think these these showrunners and directors kind of hate it is the fact that these mm. are six uh six episodes but they're one entire movie so basically they mm. cut like um like a film and that's the one thing i hate about these shows is that can't they yes, be episodic yes. or like serialistic instead of a big movie cut up into six individual um, mm. uh, episodes because that's where it suffers um, but yeah I think longer runtime and more episodes kind of like Andor because Andor um, even though it had shorter runtimes for a couple of episodes they had three act structures within three different episodes so it kind of mm. worked there, and it could have worked here. We could have had three episodes just of Gravik, three episodes of Gaia, and then three episodes of Fury and Talos. Can't, yes. Something like that. But no, we um we have six episodes, 35 minutes, 39 minutes long, and it suffers from that. Um, yeah. I want to talk about this. Uh, it's actually a little bit more violent for, for an MCU project. Apart from yes, Werewolf yes, by yes, Night. Yes, yes. But blood? <laughs> it it felt uh how do I say? It felt like they were trying to push more towards the back to the um Captain America era. Yes. <clears throat> that dark, you know, deceptive whole character um, film. I feel that they were pushing that aspect more and exploring that angle. Yeah. Um the shootout sequence between Gaia and Vara caught me off guard because they actually uploaded the clip before the episode came out and how mm. much um i found like i felt uh, i feel like a sissy but there's so much blood in this sequence um <laughs> like i'm used to it because of john wick and like mortal Kombat. but for mm. the mcu uh, apart from werewolf by night which surprisingly is still r16 on disney plus um mm -hmm. this is the most violent the mcu has ever gotten and it seems like we're gonna get even more violent with more projects like um, Daredevil, Born Again, mm. Um, mm. I wish we had this type of um, like gruesomeness in Moon Knight, but you know I digress. That's only an epic for Moon Knight. But yeah, um, what do you think of the relationship, like sequences between Gaia and Vara, um, especially with Taylor's being buried? Spoilers. Mm. Yeah, I think overall I would say currently as the show is going mm. because we don't have the finale I'll give it like a 6 yeah Be just blatantly because there's no finale at the moment and all this build up has just caused tension more than anything 
Yeah, um, I'm slightly higher um, because it's taking this massive comic and mm-hmm. the windling it down to this spy thriller where in the comics it's like Tony Stark's Iron Man, uh, Tony Stark's a scroll, get the Marvel's a scroll, and this is like higher ups. You're, even the president could be a scroll if Rhodey is a scroll. Like it's infiltrating and destroying um, governments in cities and countries from the inside and I kind of like that that they can shapeshift between different different people and mm. taking this big project into a smaller um, smaller um, confined uh, television series slash movie and people were saying this should have been the next phase of the MCU I don't think so I don't think the scrolls are as big as someone like Kang um, yeah, uh- yeah. Kang Dynasty is gonna be universal, multi multiversal at most. Yeah, we're still. Uh, I think we are still waiting for the court um, hearing of Jonathan Majors. If he is mm. innocent, he will still be Kang. If he's mm. guilty, then we gotta. Um, well, I think Marvel may replace him. Personally, I think Jonathan Majors is such a great actor, but what happens in the real world still affects your career. And yeah, it really depends by September whether we get a new Kang or or it's still Jonathan Majors because I think he's the best thing about Quantumania. But mm. who do you think Fury called at the end of um, end of the episode? That is that is that is a very um. I don't really know. I I was thinking, you know, Miss Marvel. You know, she's he's calling his full on backup, but I don't think that's the case here, is it? Yeah. Um, Maybe Bucky. Could be. Uh, I was thinking of um, Maria. Maybe she's still alive. I feel as though that's yeah. That will rip a red away. herring. Yeah. I feel that it's a red herring. To be honest. But um, there have been massive speculations that. Um, Quake, Daisy Johnson, or Sky from mm. Agents of Shield could mm. make her debut return in this show because I, I don't know it it could happen. He was part of Agents of Shield, or it could be um um Phil Coulson. Yeah, but yeah, I I feel like it's more leaning towards Agents of Shield than anything. Just saying, hey, they exist. But um, yeah, who? Who else do you think they would have called? Mm. Well, I wouldn't say it's not from Earth. That's what I want to push it towards. <clears throat> yeah, it could be Carol, but I think um, due to the new trailer of um, the Marvels, it seems like mm. Carol hasn't talked to um, Ooh, Nick. What about Spider-Man? What if we get like a um, flight entrance. That could be cool to have Tom Holland back, but um, hmm. I don't know. Uh, I think it's someone more personal to Nick, or maybe yeah. has uh, connections to Nick. Yeah, Peter does, especially during um, Far From Home, but that yeah, turned yeah. out to be Talos. Yeah. Um, but there's still a connection between him and Nick Fury. Exactly, and we don't know what's happening so far, but yeah. We'll see. We'll see when that happens. <clears throat> well, How about you? Who do you think they call? Um, I'm still paying my money. It could be Maria or Coulson. Mm. Um, <laughs> because they could introduce... Because they're introducing the Hive uh, or the Harvest. I don't really have much knowledge on the Harvest from the comics. Maybe it's a completely new thing. Um, mm. But that's going to be the next episode. And... It could seem like it's somewhat like Tahiti from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's how Coulson's still alive, technically. But, um, I don't know. It could... Yeah, it's a very it's a very up there sort of statement, yeah. I guess. Like, it can't be Talos. He is certainly dead. But, mm. yeah. I, I don't want to say Murray Hill, but it could be. Um, that's how predictable Marvel has been. Was, um, mm. especially after Endgame but mm. we are 
at the penultimate episode, we are going into the season finale that's streaming on Disney Plus this Wednesday. Um, and again, we'll be here next week to talk about that season finale, uh, series finale. Sorry, it's only one season. And how it will lead into the Marvels coming out November 11th, 2023, in cinemas exclusively. Um, yep. Now, the box office. We don't have that much to talk about because the box office hasn't been updated yet. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So far, um, because Barbie and Oppenheimer opened the same day, Thursday, last week in the States. Apparently, Barbie is at $70 million. Um, Already? Yes, on its Thursday and Friday, it goes into its Friday opening night. $70 yeah. million, and it's tracking, I think people are saying $300 million worldwide on its opening mm. weekend mm, mm, mm. that i agree that makes it one of the biggest opening weekends um dom- um, dom- um not domestically uh, worldwide of all time barbie uh, well it's such it's a classic you know you can't go wrong you can't go wrong with it yeah yeah it's also society and you know social uh aspects that are coming to influence with this, these kind of things yeah, and it's also a much shorter movie. I think it's an hour and yes. forty-five minutes, and it's PG. Yeah. It's it's a family mm. film, and yeah. the fact that they're marketing, hey, Ryan Gosling may be a good-looking guy, or all of these Kens are, but you are Ken or you are Barbie. Mm. It doesn't matter mm. what shape, size, or it basically all inclusion. Love that. Um, mm. But Oppenheimer for its Thursday Friday box office is at thirty-five million. Um, to be expected, it's three hours long. It is R-rated in the states. It's M-rated here. Um, mm. How much do you think Oppenheimer is going to finish by the time we get our full numbers for next week? What is it at right now? Uh, Thirty-five million just for one night. I'm hoping. I'm hoping two hundred mil worldwide. Two hundred mil. Well, I think that's possible. With how long our mm. line was. And possibly the previous sessions before us yeah i feel like 200 million worldwide will make it um but again three hours long um people are parading like us to watch an imax which i don't think every country has um but yes 35 million first night in the states that's really good barbie seems like it could hit a billion um, with how it's tracking and be yeah, there yeah. with Super Mario Brothers, the movie, um, and that's all. Especially for those two, I didn't see how Mission Impossible: Day Reckoning Part One is tracking. Apparently, it's gonna drop a lot because of these two movies. To be expected. Yes, yes. Uh, but I feel like Mission Impossible: Day Reckoning Part One should have been moved to November. Uh, more yep. October. November's actually stacked. But yeah. yes. Um, so we'll be back with the box office fully next week, along with our review of Barbie. But as I discussed from last week, the Anime Bros Podcast's first episode will debut on Friday at 12 p.m. New Zealand Standard Time, exclusively on listening platforms, covering the season of anime from Bleach to Doroni Kenshin. Now, Epsilon. Do you have an announcement? Um, oh yes, uh, to bring to the Movie Bros podcast. Yes. Uh, speaking of different uh, bros, we have this comes to uh, my has been brought to my attention uh, to have a Kickstarter backing. Uh, we 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 have uh, currently viewed a Kickstarter that feels though needs more exposure. Uh, it's called The Deception of Paradise. It's a visual novel. And as stated here, it is an LGBTQ plus mystery visual novel that guides protagonists through the woes and juggling of a job and relationships. Now, uh, I feel as though this this uh, certain project require, uh, would be requiring of a bit more insight to from different people, as uh, it seems like a very great project to uh, back as this person uh, who's named Warp uh, has designed this game project that's very dear to their heart and began writing it from 2018 till now and I feel as though it has a lot of potential. So if you 
if any of you have any like amounts you can pledge to this Kickstarter, it'll be a great help to the creator. Yep, um, Warp seems like an incredible guy. This um, Kickstarter seems incredible. I'll put a link in the bio for everyone to check out. If you want to chip in 50 cents or a dollar, that's perfectly fine. And this Kickstarter will be an incredible jumpstart for someone's career, especially when it comes to a visual novel of this caliber and about inclusion. It's amazing, especially today. Epsilon, thank you for bringing up such a beautiful, beautiful project like this. And I hope our listeners and viewers will back this campaign. Um, But that sounds neat, mate. I cannot wait for everyone to to check it out on on Kickstarter. And if you don't have anything, just just have a look. Just just see whether it's um, for you. If it's not for you, recommend it to others. They can back it if they want to. But incredible cause right there. See, things are changing rapidly here at the Movie Bros Podcast as we keep expanding even more. But looking at the coming weeks, we are looking at the next episodes of Warrior and the season finale of Secret Invasion. We will be coming yes. back to review Greta Gerwig's film, Barbie, completing Barbenheimer for us. <laughs> yes. Along with our new divisions of the podcast as we keep expanding even more. What does Captain Marvel say? Higher, further, faster, baby. We are <laughs> yes. the Movie Bros Podcast. A podcast that has been on hiatus for four plus years now since Captain Marvel's box office numbers. Now on Spotify and Amazon Prime, along with YouTube. I am your host, Requiem King, with co-host Epsilon, and wishing you all a happy duang, and see you all next time. Bye.